Hey, welcome everybody to another episode of the People Pro Productivity Channel, a place where you can become the best you. We are a channel dedicated to helping individuals, teams, companies, and organizations get the human element right. One element that's very important in, in the news all the time is the millennial generation. All the statistics indicate that in the next year or two, they're going to be actually half the workforce. <clears throat> Many of them are sending into leadership ranks. Many of them are making great contributions for our society already. And, <clears throat> you know, leading millennials, working with millennials, is actually a really important skill for anybody running a company to build. Now today, I happen to have the honor of interviewing Rita Gurevich, who has built a company of millennials. Rita was on the leading edge of the millennials, probably born the first year of the millennial generation. And uh, she's got a very, very interesting story to share with us and some real interesting insights into how you can create an environment where you take a millennial culture to great success. Rita was uh, voted one of the top 25 women entrepreneurs in the state of Jersey. She's founded Company Sphere Incorporated, and uh, she's done a great job building the company, motivating millennials, and actually bringing a software product to the market that has been successful. Most people who talk about millennials, I find, you know, do it from a research perspective. You know, they go out, they dig into it, they write articles on it, but they're not practitioners. You know, uh, maybe they talk about hitting a baseball and, you know, why some hitters are good and not, but they never actually stood at bat. Rita not only took the millennial bat, but she hit a home run. And I think what she has to share with you today will be very, very, very important. So, Enough, enough about me and introducing this. Rita, uh, maybe you could just share a little bit about your journey with the audience. Uh, absolutely. So, uh, you know, my background, I think, is, is, is interesting, at least uh, I hope it is to the audience. Uh, I started Sphere about 10 years ago, and I come from financial services. I was around during the, the financial crisis. I was actually at Lehman Brothers and was there during the bankruptcy. And um, that's kind of what gave me the idea to, to start Sphere. Yeah. Um, I worked on a very interesting project uh, during the bankruptcy. If you recall, there are a handful of banks that bought different parts of the Lehman umbrella. And my job on the technology side was how do you split apart the IT assets, the data on the file systems, the email, um, the collaborative SharePoint sites and, and areas like that. Having spent and much of my life in technology, <laughs> I can tell you, Data is not clean. It is spread all over the place. And that is a really scary assignment when you have to start teasing all this stuff apart that was never meant to be pulled apart, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. And um, we had to do it almost overnight because you had competitive companies that essentially was, was privy to competitive data. So um, when I started Sphere, it was really around helping big banks get a handle on their data. Uh, that kind of blended into uh, information security set of requirements as well. And we started to build out very kind of interesting assessment and remediation projects. Uh, our customers started to take wind of some of the automation we were building around improving the service delivery. Uh, we had little toolkits we brought on site and they started to ask us if they can keep these toolkits. So I thought I was onto something pretty interesting. And uh, 
I decided to um, invest a lot of, of dollars, time, resources into fully productizing our services. Mm -hmm. And about three and a half years ago, we released our first version of Spheerboard, and now we're on version 4.48 something or another. Um, and now we're a software and services company um, and not just a consulting house. So it's been an interesting journey and a, a cool transition. And the millennial topic played a very fundamental role in transitioning from a bunch of subject matter experts with 20 years of experience to cutting edge technology um, that was built from the ground up. So. So it's been a good journey. Building a software company and a successful one is not easy. People don't understand how complex it is to productize something and to actually take it into banking institutions that have such a high bar on the vendors, the quality of the software, whether it's secure or not. Mm -hmm. So I think, <clears throat> I think what you did is awesome. I spent a lot of time on you know, Wall Street banking brokerage insurance and uh you know it's awesome that you pulled this off and you did it with millennials mm -hmm. now millennials interestingly you know people wanna i just find there's this this negativity about millennials and you know i was a boomer and we were the most worthless generation ever uh, <laughs> to come along according to the uh, you know the world war ii generation that birthed us and uh, they thought we were a bunch of drug addicts hippies you know the me generation no one's ever going to amount to anything these people are horrible and uh you know i think there's i think generations want to think they did it right and the ones following them just don't know anything mm -hmm. and in my perception of millennials is you know they're they're humans it's a generation there's really good ones there's ones that aren't that good i find them to be incredibly clever they're very quick to learn stuff uh, you know, in many ways, they're delightful. And, you know, I think there's just a lot about millennials that is very attractive. And then there's things you should be aware of because they're human and you're going to want to understand how they operate and ultimately, you know, create success where they meet their needs and have a great time and the company prospers and the people prosper with it, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, as you set out to build this technology solution, you know, what did you find uh, about millennials and whether they liked it, didn't like it? Uh, why don't you share a little bit about that part of the story? So millennials were instrumental in building out my technology platform. You know, I came at it with experience and um, a vision yep. and they could look at a problem and very quickly come up with ideas of how to solve that problem. Very from clever. A technology perspective. Um, I find that they learn very quickly, they're eager and hungry. And I think it's because they grew up with the ability to research so easily. You know, they say babies can learn so many languages and so many words so yeah. quickly, they, they're just sponges. Um, the same holds for millennials and that are you know early in the workforce. They just know how to look for things. Mm -hmm. They know how to research um, and they're excited to accomplish something. So from my perspective, that's very positive. I also find that they're not always stuck in their ways, if, especially if they're kind of new to the workforce. So they're, they could be very moldable um, yeah. and they're hungry. So they're interested in absorbing. Um, so that I find is very, very positive. Um, also, you know, the, the, the truth of the matter is uh, in practice, most of them are not married. They don't have children. They don't have big mortgages. So they don't have some of the restrictions. So they're willing to put in the time if it's something they believe in. Mm. Now you have to make sure that they believe in it. Because if they don't, you could have the converse effect as well. So 
Um, I think it's about honing in on the, those specific skill sets for the folks that are really hungry and interested in, in your vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finding obviously the right fit, which is always important. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter what the generation is, right? Mm -hmm. Getting people with the right fit for what you've got. But, <clears throat> you know, people don't often talk about the fact that, you know, millennials and startups are just a good match because they find it exciting. Mm -hmm. you, know, you want to be part of the journey and it's good to hear that you know they were so instrumental in helping build this software solution were very clever researched it learned fast came up with lots of ideas there's always a shortage of good ideas so mm -hmm. i would say hey kudos to uh, you and your team for you. you know having that excitement so you know how about the expectations talk a little bit about you know the expectations of millennials and you know some of the things you've encountered yeah, so it's interesting. So, I mean, this might be human nature in general, not just millennials, but I think that it's stronger with millennials because they're more vocal and they don't necessarily want to conform to old school, traditional kind of ways of working in terms of managing yeah. up and how do you talk to superiors and things like that. So I think you just see it more on the surface with them, the way they feel and, you know, how they react to situations. So, you know, I mentioned earlier, very moldable um, you know, very eager to learn, but they also could be very stubborn. And when, if you're a company that stays kind of the same and you have these millennials that were with you early on, that can work really well. But I've seen it where we've done a transition from, you know, services company, startup software to now growth mode. And it requires a different um, level of, of work effort it requires um, different types of detail, paying attention to specifics that maybe you didn't have to before, um, different types of mentorship and leadership requirements across the board. And sometimes people get stuck and they don't have the experience in other jobs and other roles that you have to move with the times and companies do change and do evolve and this is normal. Mm -hmm. And they, they, they could push back really hard. Um, so that could be a negative with, with millennials. They just don't have real world experience to understand that it's okay if things change. And sometimes you do have to work really hard and other times it might be a little bit easier. And you have to be okay with transitioning with a company or it might not be the right place for you. Um, the other challenge sometimes with millennials, and this is probably because they love to research and absorb, they think they know a lot. <laughs> They, they think they know everything sometimes. And you know yeah. what? In many well, ways, they do, because right? they've absorbed so much, they do know a lot. But that doesn't mean that they're, they're, the way they're thinking is the right way. Um, so being able to hear people out that have more real-world experience, while it may not be technically what you think is right because the numbers don't add up in, in your head, it might be the right decision mm -hmm. in terms of next steps. So um, all of that is something you have to manage and, and work with. Hmm. So when you have somebody who's really stubborn and says, no, no, this is right. Um, have you, have you dealt with that? It's very challenging, right? And I'll give you some, some examples, right? You'll have uh, folks maybe in sales and marketing that are using psychology and are using um, communication skills to progress a program. Um, you'll ask a developer or an, an engineer, this is our thoughts on how to make the customer happy. And they'll look at it and they'll say, well, that's not technically perfectly correct. That's not the way to do it. And they don't real, and they say, you know what, we have to take six months off and fix this and do it right. But on the human side of it, that may not work because maybe the customer is going to be happier with baby steps and small progressions, right? So dealing with that can be challenging. Um, 
it doesn't always get fixed either, right? And that's where I was kind of explaining earlier where you have to find good folks that are willing to adjust and are willing mm -hmm. to compromise and realize that they may have great ideas, but in practice, it may not always be the right decision. Um, so I think over-communicating is good. Um, that's how you can deal with it. Um, making sure that you explain a situation um, and maybe have people outside of that decision-making process work through with them, you know, their experiences and maybe show them, hey, I've made the mistake of doing it the on-paper correct way and this is what happened and try to kind of just educate that, that side of it. But it doesn't always work. And sometimes right. you have to make decisions on, you know, who do you kind of allow to, to move forward with their thoughts? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, now we're talking about individuals mm -hmm. and they've all got different personalities. So mm -hmm. some of them could be a little bit uh, pig-headed about what they want to do. Mm -hmm. And I guess you have to decide maybe just to give up in some cases with mm -hmm. certain people, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because it sounds so terrible to give up on somebody. But, you know, for me, I'm a business owner. I have to think of my company first. Um, yeah. And, you know, you, you come to a point where you have exhausted all options with certain individuals, right? So um, I think there has to come a point where you have to realize that if you don't remove somebody that isn't able to mold, isn't able to adjust, transition with your company, that you're not just doing yourself a service as a, as a business owner, but there's people around them that are probably also feeling that negativity. And you have to be conscious that that can spread and you don't want that to spread. Hmm. Um, so you have to cut the cord. A mistake I've made many times over is I don't do it fast enough. Yep. And you deal with the aftermath of letting that kind of negativity spread. So um, what I'm personally working on for my own growth as, as a leader in my company is trying to recognize that early on, um, hitting it head on, you know, dealing with it um, in a very direct way and then giving up when it's appropriate um, and not kind of feeling bad about it. Right. So yeah. that, that's one of my goals for the next year. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of people do struggle with that, right. Mm -hmm. Cause you know, there's humanity in everybody. They want people to do well, but you know, the practical reality is some people need to learn different lessons on their own journey. Mm -hmm. And one of the lessons may be that they're just going to have to listen and compromise a little more because they don't know as much as they think they do. Mm -hmm which is good. Now the millennials, of course, you know, they build great relationships, you know, they hang out and stuff. Maybe you could share a little bit about how that has impacted some of the decisions you've made. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would say that's a key difference about that generation. And it has to a, lot, a lot to do with their responsibilities outside of work. They don't have as many as somebody with children, grandchildren, mm -hmm. mortgages and things like that. So they tend to spend time after hours with the folks that they become close with in the office. And a lot of times it's not just your direct teammates, it's, it could be other teams within the company. So when people kind of go from, from the office to the bar or mm -hmm. to a movie or to a restaurant, wherever they go and spend time together, they're gonna talk about work. That's, you know, we spend most of our lives in the office. The people in, in your office, you spend more time with than your families. So mm -hmm. it's only natural that you just have a lot in common with these people. So when you go and spend outside extracurricular time with them, you're going to talk about work. So I've seen a very positive effect of that, right? So 
um, you know, I would say passion is contagious. And when somebody's really excited about something they're working on, they'll tell their friends, they'll tell their buddies. And then there's also a little bit of competitiveness with millennials. So everybody wants to be recognized. And if somebody is showing that they've got accolades or they're going to celebrate a promotion or something like that, that can be very positive, right? And yeah. everybody wants to work hard and be recognized and do the right thing. Um, on the negative side, if you have a bad egg, somebody that you're trying to coach or change with a variety of strategies and it's just not working, um, they'll spread that negativity amongst their group too. And I think if the folks in that group aren't experienced, don't have real world knowledge, haven't worked at other places, they'll soak that in and get angry together. And that can create hostility amongst that group and you feel it everywhere, right? So, and we've had situations like that where a couple people just started to spread negativity and did some exaggerations of things and kind of tried to poke holes and, and it became like a set of anchors that were just holding each other down and you can yeah. feel that negative energy in the office. So um, that's a great example where I mentioned like you have to nip that in the bud and, and tackle it head on and, and try to resolve that as fast as you can, because it could make the people that are being very positive, not, not feel appreciated and, and move past it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, um, <clears throat> individuals sometimes you got to give up on them there's no question about it and uh, there are people who stir the pot and cause trouble and uh, i've certainly many times removed people in companies and seen the vibe change dramatically mm -hmm. right away mm -hmm. it's almost incredible what a positive effect it can have um and it's unfortunate it does come to that but that's just part of leading and managing and trying to get as cohesive a team as possible mm -hmm. Now, other things uh, you have to give up sometimes on other stuff too, right? Like you want to use certain, you know, strategies in your company uh, to achieve different things and different management practices. And sometimes maybe you realize that that's not a good strategy given you have all these millennials. Maybe mm -hmm. you could share a little bit about your experience in that area. Yeah. So I, I think that if, you're trying to inspire millennials to, to work hard, try to make it, do it in a positive way, not a negative way. Mm -hmm. um, so that's something I've, I've learned. Um, positive communications, you know, company-wide about an accomplishment that somebody did, or if one team did something very positive, but it was because of the behind the scenes millennials that you know, worked so hard to get to a certain goal, make sure they get recognized for the accomplishment another team had, just so they could see how cohesiveness amongst your peers like does really good things. Mm -hmm. um, I, I love team building events. So, you know, we just did rock climbing, for example, as a company, and oh, it was cool. a lot of fun and we had a good time. Um, so I think that works really well. Um, what I think sometimes doesn't work well, and I've also learned this the hard way, is negative kind of um, outright um, communication, like pushing people because you're telling them they're not doing enough good things. That doesn't work. People don't get inspired by it. And mm -hmm. I think it's the, the easy way out. And trust me, I've taken that easy way out where I said, listen, you just got to do it. You just got to get done, right? Yep. Um, but that doesn't always work. Um, also, what I've learned is bribery is a short-term win. <laughs> so, you know, you have a set of individuals that you need to do something that you know they just don't want to do because they don't want to work past five o'clock or they don't like going outside of their, their element and kind of saying, if you do this, I will do that. 
Like that doesn't work either because the expectation is every single time they're going to get something extra just for doing right. their job, right? And people that naturally gravitate towards helping and overachieving might not feel great about that, right? That they're doing just as much and not getting the same kind of feedback and Right. They're not getting treated specially. Yeah, yeah. You have to be careful not to treat the people special that aren't doing special things. Don't and, and I think it's human nature to just to and I call it bribing. It's not really bribing, but yeah. Um I think you get the get what I'm where I'm going with this here. But um I think that's important. It's easy to like just give somebody something because you need it done, knowing it'll get done, but it's long term not the right approach. So that's a strategy I've given up on. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, you have, um, you know, you have a lot of experience and, you know, people go through this learning curve as leaders and obviously you've done it with millennials and done it very successfully. So kudos to you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you, we talk about work-life balance, you know, millennials seem to have their own kind of view of, you know, how work and life should uh, meld together. What, what's your experience been? You know, that's interesting, right? So I, I feel like there's two extremes with work-life balance. I feel like with other generations and other folks in the workforce, it's not so extreme, right? Mm -hmm. So on, on one side, you'll have the, the millennials that just want to work, 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 work. They love to think, they love to create, and they don't care how much time they put into it. They're not, mm -hmm. they don't care if they eat at their desk, you know? They don't care if they have to stay late or work from home or like a developer that wants to get through, you know, a block of code and it just, it, they want to solve it. Like you'll have folks like that, that just want to do the right thing because they love what they're working on. They love the company. They, they know that there's a group of people that are relying on them to be successful. Then you have on the flip side, this entitled group of people that, you know, refuse to come in early, refuse to stay late. Um, don't care if it negatively impacts somebody else that's waiting on them to get something done. Um, and almost they feel that it, they're, they're owed something. And that's, I think, a stigma that comes with millennials that I think is real. And it happens. It's not across the board, but it definitely happens. And it feels like it's one of the two extremes. And I think it gets worse when they don't get what they want and then they stay where they're at because they feel less of a drive than ever there's and there's not it's hard to change it's hard to change that mentality yeah that is super hard to change mm -hmm. i agree with you i think part of it is because and this is just a function of where they are in life they have less to lose right mm -hmm. so they don't care as much about losing a job right because it's the unemployment rate is low uh, people can go to different companies. Now they have some experience, whereas before you gave them an opportunity when they had none, they feel that they have the upper hand and they're the powerful ones in this kind of two-way communication. So that's a very big challenge with millennials. But again, on the flip side, we have so many hardworking people that are so passionate about what they do and love it so much and are so willing to like help and chip in. Um, and they realize that I have the energy now. I'm young. I'm I'm passionate, energetic. Let me do this now, right? Let me yeah. really get in in the weeds here and help out. And you have that side of it too, because they do have the time, right? So yeah. I think that's a huge part. And they want to they want to grow and they want to grow their technical skills. They want to maybe go into management at some point. So they want to showcase how good they are and how hard they work. So you have both sides of it for sure. Yeah, and. <clears throat> You know, a lot of the surveys show that the number one thing millennials want is personal growth. 
-hmm. they want to move up. And, you know, some of them are saddled with big, big loans for college, mm -hmm. uh, house prices that are extremely high if they want to, you know, build a family and get a house. These are pretty big hurdles to go, go over. And mm -hmm. I, I do get the fact they need to grow and make more money. Mm -hmm. So you found that, you know, a bunch of them are really motivated to move up, which is actually very positive. Yes. Yeah, especially, you know, I'm a technology company, so there's so much technical growth that these young folks can, can have in terms of different certificates, you know, continued education, uh, real world experience on site, you know, um, uh, all of that is, is absolutely important to them. Um, and I also feel if, if you have the ability to take a risk on some of the folks that are a little bit younger, that maybe don't have on paper the exact experience, but you feel a connection with them in the interview yeah. process and you feel that they have, there would be synergies between their kind of attitude and the culture of your company. If you, if you can do that, like give them a chance because with a little bit of training and again, they're like sponges, they'll absorb yes. quickly. Quick they learners. can become like such productive members of your team. And we have a number of people like that that have grown within the company and, um, and we're proud that we gave them an opportunity and they're doing great and they now mentor other people. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, just a fabulous technique to be honest with you because they're grateful, they mm -hmm. got a break, uh, they learned a lot, uh, hopefully they'll be quite loyal as a result, they're energetic, mm -hmm. young, they've got all that you know, excitement, they're moldable. And you know, I see companies just changing over time. Years ago, you couldn't, get a job in certain companies without a degree. And now, you know, a quarter of the people Google hires, you know, they're really good at what they do. They don't have a great degree and they just want people with aptitude who could do mm -hmm. what's required. So mm -hmm. pretty fascinating. You started getting into this, the interview process. Mm -hmm. And I think interviewing, you know, that's a skill and a very important one because you do want to avoid some of the bad hires, right? These maybe the people with the unrealistic expectations mm -hmm. or the ones who think that, hey, I've, I've got everything that you want and I'm in control, I'm the big prize here. I don't know, have you learned stuff about interviewing and you know, do you have anything to share with folks that might help them avoid some of the pitfalls of bad hires? Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And I think that there's two sides to it, right? So when, when you go on an interview, you're being interviewed, your job is to sell yourself. But what the interviewee doesn't realize is the other person on the other side of the table is selling their, their company to you, right? It's a marriage. It's two people and two that has to come together. So sometimes, and I'm guilty of this, is you spend too much time trying to brag about your company and you acquiesce to some of the things that they want and they need that you learn through the interview process and you're so desperate for talent and every software company that's growing is desperate for talent. Uh, we were three, four years ago. We still are now, you know? Yeah. Um, so you, you make adjustments to what you think you want in an employee because you think that the other person, you know, could work. So you don't tell them about some of the nitty gritty. You avoid that, right? And what I've seen is when you do avoid it and they come on site and they start working and you're asking them to do things that they didn't expect to happen, it's, it, it doesn't work, right? They, they don't stick around. Those aren't people that tend to kind of have leverage within your company. And you spend a lot of time training somebody and investing in that person's personal growth and it doesn't work out, you know, fairly quickly. So we've seen that time and time again. So 
I tell my hiring managers, be honest and transparent about what your expectations are for that role. Super you, important. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the obvious things. Like if, if there's, if you're going to throw them onto a project and they're going to have to work long hours, tell them that, say that, be like, listen, we're in a bind. We're looking for somebody that can put an extra time and got to think on your feet because there's not going to be a whole block of time where you could sit in a room and train. You know, we're looking for somebody that, that learns quick and likes to be dynamic and things like that. It's okay. You'll have other roles that are less stressful or more aligned to some other yeah. types of personality, but tell people up front, um, don't fake it, it that fake uh, a role just to blend and mold to a person. I'll give you another example. You know, uh, a year or so ago, we brought on in a couple individuals and, and they were under the assumption that their jobs were very well documented. It would be more checklist style things um, that um, there would be a lot of guidance. And we were just building out a practice area. We didn't have any documentation. You know, yeah. we needed people to learn and build with us, you know, that specific set of modules and practices. And, you know, we definitely, you know, didn't. Uh, we weren't truthful with these candidates about what their day-to-day -day mm. would be like. Um, yeah. we, t we focused more on the culture of the company and how fun we are and how, you know, our clients love the deliverables and all of that. And they didn't realize that they were going to have to do things that were totally outside of their comfort zone. They were very structured people. They came from grunt work, backgrounds. Hmm? documentation, grunt work. Exactly. People grunt work and also like uh, maybe some people just don't have the capability of doing that. Right. So That's absolutely right. So yeah. So the interview process I've learned, it might be harder to find a candidate if you're, if you're being very truthful, if you're asking, if you need to fill a role that that's hard work. Right. Yeah. Um, but don't waste your time then on people that, you know, aren't willing to do that. It's, it's better to spend more time interviewing and hire the right people that are going to come in here knowing what they're going to be doing and feel excited about it, then try to kind of hide and put, push some things under the rug and just deal with it later, you know? Yeah. Well, you're, I think, I think you're giving people really good advice in a tight job market. There's a tendency for companies to oversell what they've got. Mm -hmm. And it always comes back to bite them because always. people come in, they have expectations up here. They realize that, you know, they're walking into something that's not at all what they thought, not that mm -hmm. glamorous and uh, kind of, you know, gives them a negative view of things from the their early start in the company. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, as we could start to wrap up here, um, any parting thoughts that you might have or want to share with people? Something we didn't cover? Uh, any other any other thoughts and ideas about millennials? I think this has been great really good experience, you know, and you did it, you made it happen. So, you know, this is not like a PhD going out and observing people. You actually, you know, made it happen. Yeah. I mean, I guess a parting thought would be, you know, we're, we're talking about millennials, but it's human nature, right? There. And mm -hmm. like you mentioned, when you first opened up, you said, you know, my generation before me, you know, had negative things to say about yours. And, and I think that that happens, but I think no matter what, it's, it's about just honing in on, you know, their character and, um, you know, what, what motivates them. And, you know, something we didn't talk about is the concept of like purpose-driven companies. Like that didn't, probably didn't exist 10, 20 years ago, right? And now it's like the hot thing to do is to go to a startup that's purpose-driven, right? Yeah. So it's, that, that's just a, another example of the mentality that they have. So I think that 
you know, there are definitely the strategies we talked about today work, but also, you know, treat people as individuals, even within the millennial bucket, right? Like everyone is different. Um, they all have their own different personalities and characteristics. And um, I've learned that, you know, try not to bundle them together too much and hone in on, you know, what is it that you can do to motivate that individual? And also, I will say it again, like, give up when it's time to give up. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I think your final word of advice there of saying these are individuals, you know, understand who that individual is, what their needs are. They mm -hmm. are human beings. Don't buy into the hype and try to paint everybody with a brush. That's a completely wrong strategy. And it always has been. That never mm -hmm. worked with any generation. So um, I'd really like to thank you for coming on the channel. Pleasure. This, this is a great. great interview. I love your energy. I love what you've accomplished. And I thank you so much for actually sharing some of your wisdom with us today. Perfect. Thanks so much. Yep. Bye.